Good morning. I have to confess that baptismal services always humble me. I get to hear a longer version of the stories that you heard. And we have an incredible God. Amen? I think sometimes for those of us that are raised in the church and live in the church, we come not expecting God to do anything. And yet we're confronted with the stories that we heard in the testimonies. And God can do amazing things and is doing amazing things. Amen? And so it humbles me because a lot of things that I get caught up in really don't matter. What matters is, is whether or not that we find who Jesus Christ is and allow him to live vibrantly in our lives. Now, I know that we normally do this at the end of the service, but I'm going to do it at the beginning of my sermon. I know there are people here that witnessed what Christ can do in these four ladies' lives. And you're probably sitting there saying, you know, I wish that. I I would hope that could be in my life. Well, the good news is that it can. And it can happen this morning. Amen? Amen. So if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you haven't begun that journey with Christ, uh, we're going to give you the opportunity right now. Just stand. We're going to have someone meet with you and go through that. So that's the issue that has to be settled this morning. You know, whether or not you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. So if you're here, just kind of stand. I'm going to take a step back because the lights are in my eyes and I can't see. <laughs> but if you're here and want to accept Christ, stand and we're going to partner somebody with you. Anyone? Okay, we're going to move on. Last week, we began talking about prayer. We're in the book of James. For those that are new, we're doing a series in the book of James. We've been here since last September. And um, the concentration, the verses this morning is going to be James 5, 17 through 18. But last week in verses 13 through 16, we talked about prayer when you're in a trial and you're too weak to stand. And how the body comes along and helps you pray through those kind of situations. This week, we're going to talk about what it means to pray for a nation. But let's begin at verse 13 to get the context. And then we'll look at verses 17 and 18. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. We heard a lot of praise this morning, didn't we? Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. We talk about how that word save means to restore. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There's no sin that is outside the purview of Christ's forgiveness. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, verses 17 through 18, we're going to focus on this morning. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave up rain, and the earth bore its fruits. 
This is God's word. Now, again, the context is that James has been telling us it's time to grow up. He said, you will have trials. And I want you to learn how to choose joy in the midst of those trials. I want you to learn how to ask for wisdom in the midst of those trials. And sometimes those trials will get pretty intense and you're going to have suffering. And I want you to pray. And when things get really hard, invite the church into your life to pray. And prayer is designed to restore you. And if your suffering is due to your sin, you confess it and he will forgive and he will restore you. Amen? And then he makes this shift and he talks about Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet over Israel. He was a prophet of the nation. He was God's representative, called an ambassador to the nation of Israel from God. He was not from Krypton. For those that know the Superman whole deal, Superman's from Krypton. I mean, we read these stories and we say, wow, he had to be somebody of supernatural ability. But James says, no, he is just like you and I. He's ordinary. How do we know this? You know, part of the story is Elijah has this incredible competition with the prophets of Baal. It's a big competition. They do their thing. Nothing happens. Elijah steps in, pours water water over the altar. He calls down fire. It consumes everything. And the prophets of Baal, they're all killed. Then Jezebel enters the conversation. One woman. She says, Elijah, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to kill you. And what does Elijah do? He runs. That's how we know he is just like you and I. We know he was an ordinary man. There are things that struck him, made him afraid. Let's back up in the story for a moment. What we have to understand is Elijah represents the nation. And here's the first principle James talks about. He says that God calls us to pray for our nation. That's what he calls us to do. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul says this to Timothy. First of all, he says, I urge that supplications, that's prayers, prayers, intercessions, different kind of prayers, and thanksgiving, that's also a prayer, be made for all people. Then he says, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life. Now, I know a lot of people sit there and say, well, that means if we pray right, the nation will let us alone. No. If we pray for our nation and we pray according to the will of God, we have peace in ourselves. How many people do you know that are upset by the political climate in America today? I can tell you they're not praying. And what they're looking for is the nation to be their savior, not Jesus Christ. So part of the prayer and praying for the nation has a beneficial factor to us. That we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly, doing the right things even in the midst of injustice and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. I mean, that's what we're called to do. And that's what we're called to be who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, he, 
Paul says to Timothy three things. And remember, they were under the rule of Roman government. They were under heavy persecution. There was a lot of things that were not going their way. And many were being imprisoned. Some were dying. He says, pray for the nation. Pray that you will be at peace and live a godly life in the midst of all this. Be dignified in the midst of all this. And never, 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 never forget the mission. The mission is what? who desires all people to be saved, all people to be restored. It's the kingdom of God expansion. So when you pray for the nation, yes, it's beneficial to us, but it's also beneficial in terms of what God wants to do among people that we live with. Now the context in which James refers to praying for first three and a half years of drought and then rain the context is Israel's sin. They refused to walk with God. And the result was a drought. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 17. We are not going to turn there this morning. But when it was time to rain, to pray for rain, note the progression of how Elijah does this. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. You can follow on the screen or follow in Scripture. Now, before he prays, what's he said? And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of rushing rain. So before Elijah even prays for rain, he tells the king, listen, I hear the noise of rain. Go get ready. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to a servant, go up now, look towards the sea. He went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go again. And this happened seven times. Can you imagine praying? Go look, pray, go look, go pray, go look. The seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. So way off in the distance, there's one little tiny cloud. That's it. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stomp you. In other words, get going back to where you're going, Jezreel, because if you don't, it's going to rain that hard that you won't be able to get the chariot through the heavy rains. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He gathered up his garment you know, they kind of wore robes, and so that means he kind of just tucked it up, getting ready to run, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, it's amazing that he outran the chariots and horses. Um, we're talking minimum 17 miles, okay? 17 miles. How many here could run 17 miles this morning? I have my hand up just because I'm asking for hands. I'm not saying I could. Uh, might be able to walk 17, but run and outrun horses. Now, some commentators think it was 30 miles. So, I mean, he was the first marathoner, and I think he would have won the race that day. But when you think about praying for the nation, we have that principle. But there's some other principles we have to follow when we pray for the nation. And here's the first. Elijah prayed biblically. He knew God's will. So often, we pray out of God's will. And when you pray out of God's will, it's nothing more than talking to yourself. 
And we know if you talk to yourself too much, what happens? <laughs> they kind of put you away. But what are prayers out of God's will? You know, I call them gimme prayers. We, we list and we invite God into our conversation and we tell God what he ought to be doing. And if he doesn't do it our way, we're going to get mad and we're going to leave. That's what I call a gimme prayer. But see, he knew God's will. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 17. He knew this passage. He knew what was going on. I mean, follow with me on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Here's what Moses wrote a long time ago. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, and with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in a season. The early rain, the latter rain, that you may gather your grain, your wine, and your oil. He will give you grass in your fields for your livestock. You shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. He will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain. And the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. I mean, it's one of the ways that God used to get the attention of Israel, that they knew that they were not where they should be. I mean, Elijah knew that. And he was part of praying biblically. He also prayed specifically. He prayed for the rain to start, and he prayed for the rain to stop, not in that order. And when you think about our nation and our country, is it, oh, God, just bless America? Or you pray specifically for those in power, the president, the vice president. Do you pray for your congressperson? Do you pray? I mean, there's something going to be voted on, they say next week, called the Equity Act. And if the Equity Act gets approved by the House and the Senate, it will severely disrupt any kind of religious freedom that we have. All in the name of equity. Look it up sometime, you'll find out what they're doing. Do you pray specifically? Okay, here's about this kingdom. But when you pray for our nation, you also have to pray for the kingdom of God. Do you pray that God would enlarge our influence at GBC? Now, I know people say, well, I pray specifically all the time. I pray for a new car and a new house and a new spouse. No, they don't pray for that. You know, when we pray for new spouses, we pray for people to be transformed into our image, the way we want them to be. You know, Hollywood even made a movie out of this. It was called The Stepford Wives. Anybody ever see it? It's where they put a little computer chip in the woman's brain, and, and the woman did exactly what the man wanted her to do with a smile on her face. And it led to complete boredom and chaos. But pray specifically. Third, he prayed humbly. He bowed himself down on earth, put his face between his knees. I mean, he knew about the majesty and the power of God. He knew that he was Lord of all creation. And he worshiped him in that way. I think in America, we struggle with our arrogance. We think that we are all that. In fact, we even think that we are God's chosen people. And we act that way. Passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this. It says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. Kind of covers all the bases, doesn't he? Which I command you today. Lest you've eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them 
And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, stock market goes up, your earnings go up, all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Does that sound familiar? Here's what he says in that same passage in verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Let me translate that for you. The money sitting in your bank account, it isn't yours. Who you were born to, you had no choice to. But you were placed in a position, in a culture, in a family that allowed you to make that money or inherit that money. Your job skills... God gave you those job skills. Your house may be paid for, but it's not yours. It's God's. The roof over your head, the food to eat. See, you can look at life, everything as privilege and gift, or you can sit there and say, look at what I've done. Look at me. Look at what I drive and look at where I live and look at the job I have. Everything is God's. Everything is God's. See, that's part of praying biblically, isn't it? Fourthly, Elijah prayed expectantly. Um, I love the fact that he went and told Ahab the rain was on his way and then went to prayer. (laughs) Talk about expectant prayer. Seven times he told the servant to go look, and finally there's this tiny little cloud out there the size of man's hand, and Elijah says, listen, the rain's coming. Tell Elijah to get going. And then he outruns the chariots to Jezreel. So let me ask you these questions this morning. Do you expect God to move in your life? Do you? When you come on Sunday mornings, do you expect God to be here and to move in ways that display his power and glory? You know, success is not how many people show up on a Sunday morning. Success is when God shows up on a Sunday morning And we expect him to display his power and we see his transforming work. Amen. And we celebrate God with us. And that was part of the way we started our service. Four witnesses of what God did and is and will do. And that's true for all of us. Now we're going to close. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask these four ladies to kind of be down here on the bench. So if you want to go over here, because afterwards, people are going to greet you, okay? They just want to kind of love on you and bless you. So, yeah, you can stay right there, Damaris, right there. They'll come down to you, okay? I mean, we're a family here, like you said. And uh, we encourage you to come down and greet them and just celebrate what God uh, has done as by way of their testimony and future reference that God will do. And by doing that, also, you get a face with a name that you can pray more specifically and biblically for them this week. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, you are incredible. We know that. We don't always act that way. But we have been witnesses of that this morning. Help us to realize that everything is yours. That all of us can be sons and daughters of this glorious king, and we're all invited around the banquet table. 
We pray, Lord, for our nation, for our president, for our vice president. We pray for the House and the Senate. We pray for this equity bill that uh, people would see the destructive nature of it and that it gets voted down because it'll just cause division in our country. We pray for the church, for GBC, that you will do a work among us that there is no way that we could ever take credit for. And the outside world, the outside world that doesn't know Jesus looks on and says, wow, you know, something's going on there that nobody can do. No counselor, no government. May they come and find you. So Lord, we're asking you expand our influence at GBC. Expand our influence in this nation. Again, we thank you for these four lovely ladies as they shared this morning. May you protect them this week as Satan isn't very happy that they declared their loyalty to you. So wrap your arms around them, give them wisdom, give them strength, give them comfort. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.